everybody. Welcome to the Just Joe podcast. This one's going to be two parts, my friends. So this is episode 15. Um, this one gets pretty deep, man. I bring in my good buddy, Derek Kurzweil. Uh, Derek is known for playing drums in Shadows Fall, a band called Seamless that featured Jesse from Killswitch Engage, a hardcore band called Unearth, and a bunch of other projects. And we not only talk about music, we talk about something very deep as Derek has gone through, uh, has battled some demons just recently out of rehab. And we talk about his whole journey through music, uh, through drugs, and now to the other side. And, and we get pretty deep on this one. So we hope you all dig it. So here we go. Episode 15. Welcome, Derek Kurzweil. Then began my journey. Okay, wow. I just walked away from music. Like, I'm not getting this approval from the world anymore. Yeah. Uh, I started, like, you know, you just start to, like, kind of self sabotage. And, like, you know, I was doing uh, selfish and careless things that were affecting me and my wife. I was, um, I couldn't find my place in the world again. Um, it's, so I, well, to- I don't, I, I don't think people realize that when you, when you come, even if it was for a short period, even if we were just out for a year, even just say one time, Hey, I toured for one year and a hardcore of a year. And then you got to come back and matriculate back into society and try to be the normal guy again. You're like, no, no, and then you start compounding more years onto that than one, then two, then three, and then you're further away from that. And when you try to come back in, I realize I'm like, I, I can't come back in. I have to find a way to live on the fringes still without being in there. That's that's a fucking it's a that's that that was the scariest place I think I'd ever been in my life. So it's I get it. One of the scariest, absolutely, because you just this thing that defined us our whole lives that we never thought we would get. Right, we got. And we walked away from it, right. but then you're like, there's too much. There's so many variables in that like idea of, uh, wow, uh, I committed my whole life to this and I don't know what to do with it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to, I, I don't, and now I need to make money. Like I'm not ignorant <laughs> enough to think that like life is still happening. Oh, I, I'm a husband. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, oh my Lord. Like, how do I do all this? You yeah. know? So I, 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 I was in, I was in and out of, so here's the deal with me too. I was off of stuff as much as I was on it, but I could never fully pull away due to the fact, like I was a functional addict for years. Yeah, obviously. Yes, yes. And, uh, I was, I was, I was functional because I would take enough to feel normal and not be, you know, dope sick. Right. Um, because you get dope sick whether you're on dope or if you're on pills. Like, right. it's the same, same, same part of your brain, same reaction. Yeah. yeah. But the, the withdrawals are so severe that, like, you can't go to work. You cannot be a husband. You cannot be a friend. You can't function. You can't sleep. So, like, you're either taking shit or you're in trouble. So I would take enough to not get high because I don't like being high. I like having control. Right. But the problem was I needed to take enough to stay, like, quote-unquote normal. Now, this is what happened. I had a source for about seven years where I was getting stuff that kept me functional and where I was, I wasn't spending money because I was flipping some. Like, yeah, I know that, you know. Right. But it was pretty painless, and I never even thought about it. It was just part of my life. But they dried up, and that's when shit got sloppy. Um, I started finding some locally. I ended up getting a pressed fentanyl. Oh, I thought I was going to die. Dude, you're so fucking lucky, man. Oh, wait till you hear this. Because this is where I ultimately ended, and this is where I ultimately lost complete control. Like, literally had my... 
like in uh, I'm part of a program uh, in in that program. The first step of that program is realizing that you are powerless and that your life is unmanageable, and that's what it became. So this was the turning point, which you asked earlier. Right. And this is how the progression. My progression was slow for years until the end, and it was just astronomically fast. It was like life. it was like a snowball rolling down a hill, right? Spiral, brother. Yeah. So I, I got that press fentanyl. I thought I was going to die. I talked to a, the one person. I had a only, nobody in my life was a drug person. Like one other person, two people personally in my life knew we each all dabbled together. But, and they knew that I had done stuff, but they didn't know I had a problem. Right. But, dude, I didn't know I had a problem. Like, I wouldn't acknowledge it, okay? So I was too cool for that. Like, I was way better than an addict. So, the fat so, no. Dude, so I, 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 con- I contacted a friend of mine and said, dude, I got a pill that was definitely not a pill. He's like, you got fentanyl, dude. He's like, You're, the pills aren't real anymore. No. Uh, the Coke's not real anymore. No. The Benzos aren't real no. anymore. I got one thing for you, and that's a guy that has actual heroin. And it's brought, way safer, dude. Like, and it's cheaper. And I was so sick that I didn't have a choice. No. And so I started doing it. So I never shot up or anything. Not that I judge anybody that does, but it is a game changer. But I was snorting three grams a day, which is absolute insanity. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. And then that guy got caught by the feds. And I, right at the end, I jumped to a new guy who told me he had no fentanyl in his stuff. And when I got to, when I finally had to go to rehab, the only thing I tested for was fentanyl. So I've been doing fentanyl for the last... You're so fucking lucky you're alive, man. Like, dude, everybody that I know that, you know, is OD and either died or came close, it's it's all has to do with fentanyl. I don't want to even tell you a couple of things, but my wife came to visit me in rehab, like, about three weeks into my stint there. I'd only talked to her once, um, and I came clean with everything. But she came clean to me about some stuff, which was, you know, she found me breathing like four breaths a minute on the bed one night and wanted to call the ambulance, but was like, he told me he's not doing drugs, but is he having a fucking heart attack? But, dude, I don't even remember that. Right. She was telling me stuff that happened that, I, dude, I was blacking out. I'm not a blackout guy. I could drink a bottle of tequila and never black out. Like, I've always been in control. Right. But this, this is when I knew. I was in trouble. Like, I was out of control completely. 46 years old, and I did heroin for the first time at 45. When I told somebody that at rehab, they're like, we don't hear that ever. No. That's just insanity. And, and, and then what happened? The turning point was this. My, my mother-in-law, God bless her soul, like, she is, uh, she's a saint. And uh, she, we, were, we were living in her house together. And, like, so they live in uh, uh, Georgia, like, full time pretty much full-time now, but they were visiting because my, my, my father-in-law's dad had died. Mm-hmm. So we, it was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I had, a, like, a bereavement leave from work. But I was just, I don't even remember a lot of it, to be honest with you, man. I was so out of control. I, um, my wife went to work one morning. I thought I was getting up to just go about my day. My mother-in-law had flown back to Georgia. And she called me and she said, you know, this is the hottest thing I'm ever going to do, Derek, but uh, I want you to pack your shit and get the fuck out of my house. And I knew, oh, my God, they know. Yeah. And I, I did, dude, it was just like that moment, like she saved my life. No, that's, 
that's what they tell you, man. Like when, when somebody has to get someone sober, someone that they love and they care about deeply, they have to like, there has to be a decision whether you just cut it off and, and hope that they don't go down the dark, dark path. Right, because, dude, there's still, and this isn't, I'm not giving myself all this credit because it's just not where my head's at these days. Like, when you go to that, when you go to an AA base, and, like, I know Alcoholics Anonymous is anonymous. Right. But I don't bring other people into my, I never bring other people from an anonymous perspective out. But it's important that people know that this is what saved my life, too. You know, this is what's changed my life. Like, right. My mother-in-law and the dude that brought me up there, who I had just met six months ago, who went through the exact same thing and dropped everything and took me two and a half hours up to New Hampshire to rehab. Um, but that, that was me, Brenda. You are absolutely correct. She was the catalyst, but it was the catalyst for me to realize I have a problem because I could have easily just gone to wherever I get my stuff and, like, uh, re-upped and, like, ended up dead that day. Yeah. But I knew, that, like... That, that, was, that was inevitable. Like, dude, if you didn't... Like, you were at that point with the shit that you were doing and as much as you had in your system your intestine for that fentanyl that could have been the next one you were you were you were fucking playing russian roulette at that point with a fucking gun that had and all I, but maybe know, one bullet left in it you know or one you know, crazy. hollow chamber in rehab like we learned a lot about fentanyl and um there's so many strains and then they're like changing the molecular structure of it like just minimally because it becomes outlawed even in china where most of it comes from, and then they just up whatever's in it. If there's no consistency, and that's why, like, you know, there's people just, dude, when we, you know, I'm part of a, so the program I was involved in was in New Hampshire. is like two rehabs, three sober houses, uh, a convention center, like, and we do everything together, right? Mm-hmm. You, you end up like, these are your brothers and sisters. These are beautiful people that just got lost, you know? Yeah. And uh, five people in, like, two weeks ended up relapsing and dying, like, that day. All fentanyl. Yep. It's, it's, it's like, there's no, there's not even a thought in my mind to ever go back to anything because I'm so afraid, number one. Number two, the physical portion of this had a hold of me for so long because I didn't want to be sick. I couldn't be sick. I had to work. I had to be a husband. I had to be the best that I could be. But, like, dude... It gave. I can tell you this right now. The stuff gave me zero inhibition. Yeah, I had no inhibition. Like I did. Like just uh, this, this. This was something that happened when I got out there. I was like, oh my god! Like I, I got my car back for the first time in six weeks. I had not had any freedom at all. Right. Uh, I went to sober living. Didn't even want to do that, but I did, and I ended up have, having some of the best friends I've had in my life. Um, but I had my car, and I, I went to Starbucks to get a coffee, my first Starbucks in, like, six weeks. And uh, I was just so grateful. But I had some trash in my center console, right? Mm-hmm. And I had to stop at CVS to grab some deodorant, and I, I, and I grabbed that trash. And I didn't even think about it. And I walked up to the trash can, and I threw that trash in the trash can like a normal fucking human being. But you know what I, you know what I realized when I did that? That for the last years, I never wanted to put my trash and brought it to the trash can. I was opening up my window and just throwing it out like a <laughs> fucking heathen. Like, who does that? Like, right. Well, so imagine the big things that happened while I was on the <laughs> And I know that you know some of it, you know? I, I do. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've touched it, and luckily I have was able to nip stuff 
in the bud myself. And I'm not saying I I mean, I had people around me that were huge supporters, you know, when I was making decisions and stuff like that. I was lucky to have a really tight-knit group around me and also systematically started removing a lot of people from my life, you know, because I realized, I'm like, these aren't, these aren't people who care about me. These are just drinking buddies or they're people I do coke with or they're, you know, and I just started accumulating different people. I started surrounding myself with different people. You know. You want to know what I'll tell you right now that has been the biggest, like, saving grace in all this for me? Now, you know me well enough to know, like, no matter when you saw me, whether, I mean, uh, uh, I'm a, you know, I, you know I love people. You know that I'm a, uh, my heart is pure, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you also know that I, I'm pretty sensitive, you know? Um, so when I was in rehab and had no connection to anyone, all I could think was like everybody's going to be so mad and disappointed no, in me. And you want to know what? I've had to deal with some stuff, man. Like people that were combative, but not much because I didn't bring anyone into this, with the exception of my poor wife and her mom and dad. They're the only ones that saw me at my worst because I wouldn't. I isolated myself so much. I would, dude. I didn't play music for a year. I know. A year, like I've never. Taken I was a gonna. Week I was off. gonna. Say, I was gonna say from the time that you started playing music, all the way up to that moment, there was what is it? A few days, maybe that you didn't play. Maybe correct. Maybe. So that last. So the last year, it was so. That's how bad it was. Like I just didn't care. Like, but dude, I'm. I'm, I'm so glad you're fucking here to tell me this fucking story because we could. You could have been. You could have been a blabbermouth news story. And you would have been, you know, you would have been a blabbermouth news story by now if you didn't do something, you know. I know, man, I know. And but I, you didn't, I'm, and here you are. Yeah, it's by the grace of God. And, and God, to me, is love and humility. Like, and when I replace anything in the big book or the Bible with love, like, when I see God and I just trade it out with love, like, it always makes sense. And God is so far beyond and above us, we don't, we can't comprehend it fully. And I think love is the same way, you know? Yeah. So I know when I approached the world with full love and humility, like I was become, I had become quite an arrogant, you know, egotistical, selfish, manipulative. I mean, dude, I was lying so much. I was believing my own. Yeah, but that was that. I mean, that was you, but that wasn't you. That was the drug. That was the drugs. That was your addiction. And I'm sure you've heard that. You know, you know that. Yeah. And everybody knows that. And that's why people have been supposed so supportive. It's important that I own my, my yes, I'm accountable I agree. for my actions, though, you know? But I will tell you this, man, the love and support that I've received, like, I, I'm tearing up right now because, um, you know, I, I, my wife told me we were getting divorced. I started filling out papers. Like, we're working things out now. Like, Good. I didn't, I, I had a feeling that was, I was, I was hoping that would happen, and I'm glad it is. But, I mean, so now that you're on, now that you're on the other side of this, yeah. You know, and, and, and I know what you're going to, I mean, you're just a strong-willed fucking person. You're like me. Like, once you're on the other side of something, you're there. And this is where you're going to be. Like, what is, what do you, what are you struggling with the hardest? Even you, I mean, is there a day that you're like, well, fuck it, maybe I, I mean, it's still there, right? You know? Yeah, I hit four months, two days ago, right? Right. Which is, wow, like, in the grand scheme of it all, I had never gone that long, like, ever, right? on a over 10 year run like when you really put it in perspective I was 
on and off for 10 years, but I was only off when I was trying to quit, and I couldn't quit, so I would go back on. Right. Well, I, I have not, I can tell you this, and I'm just, you know, I, nothing, nothing's been difficult for me because I wanted it. Right. But I do find that being, uh, so now that my wife and I are in a reconciliation process, and just let me tell you, like, 23 years later, like, I get butterflies seeing this girl, like, <laughs> I feel like we did when we first, like, but I'm me again, like, yeah. I'm the guy she married. Well, that's exactly. God bless out, her, man. You know? God bless her. Oh, God. What a fucking woman for, for doing that. But what a woman for, you know, sticking beside you because too often nowadays you, you wouldn't have seen that, you know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a person that's been married twice, divorced twice, you know. So, you know, and, that's, and I've put both of my exes and other people that were in my relationships through fucking living hell because of my, my lifestyle and the drugs and the alcohol and my ego problems. You know, that's where it all came. I mean, you we could blame all the drugs and everything else, but I had a problem with my ego. It was, well, I, I had this giant ego that you would see on stage, and everyone's like, my God, he's larger than life. He's a great front man. But in, in all actuality, my actual ego was about as fragile as a fucking, you know. No, but that's the problem with, all, dude, I'd say that's 75% of guys on, in our situation. In yeah. Band, like, like, we go out there, we want the approval, you know, you hope you make money, but like, Dude, for me, it was all about, like, people telling me how awesome I was because I didn't believe I was awesome. Right. I had a spiritual malady, like a spiritual sickness inside of me. I was never happy with me. Yeah. But through this process, I have learned that, like, and, dude, I could never be alone. My main, my root fear in, the, like, going through the steps and learning was, like, I'm my, my fear of abandonment. Yep. Like, yep. But, but let me just tell you something. I had a pivotal moment, like, and it was in a group and during meditation of all things, which is the hardest thing for me. Like prayer, I, I, I have really clung to and I really uh, like enjoy now, even though it took a while to figure it out. Right. But I do pray, but I only pray for other people. I never pray for myself. But I do like putting that energy out there for other people, you know, like and, and just knowing and, and internalizing the fact that like uh, I'm being other centered and not like me centered, right? Mm-hmm. But but I can tell you this, man. I had this this the, the one of the biggest things I learned in rehab came a week before I left, and I was in a two minute meditation before a group, and I'm like, uh, as addicts, we're undisciplined. Let's take two minutes to discipline ourselves again. Yeah, we do this all day, every day, whatever. <laughs> I'm getting frustrated, and then I'm like, close my eyes, and like I hear people's stomachs crumbling, and I'm like, I can't even concentrate. I'm like, man, you know, I love some of these people. I don't, I mean, I love them all, but I don't like them all. <laughs> right. um, I'm like, I, I'm so tired of being with them. Like, you have no time alone ever, ever, ever. Like, you're in the shower and somebody's outside your door. You're in the, like, you just constantly have people hovering over you. I don't have a room to myself. I share it with someone. I don't have any time alone. I can't sleep. I'm still in withdrawal. This sucks. All I want to do is be alone. I just want to be alone. Oh, my God. I never once was able to say that in my life. Yeah. I'm okay with me. Yeah. That's the hardest part, man. That's that's holy shit. Like right up until, and I know we're you know it's obviously different circumstances, but when I moved out of my ex's house, and it, we were like, yeah, we're done. Um, and I went and moved in the apartment, the apartment that you came and visited me in. That's the first time at the age of forty. You know, it's been three years. It was I was forty three. Um, that was in forty three years. I'd never once been by myself. I never once lived by myself. 
I always had a roommate, always lived with, you know, multiple people. I lived with a girl, I had, or, you know, a stepdaughter or a daughter or back with my parents. There was always someone there. It was the first time that I had been completely by myself. And I'm by myself more now in the past three years than I ever was in the 43 years up to that point. And I learned more about myself being alone (laughs) than I ever did before that. So it's, I get, I I get what you're saying. And I've done, there's been a tremendous amount of growth. But I'm not sure if this has happened to you also, but doesn't that like being okay with you and not worrying about anything that you've done? Like we need the serenity to accept the things that we've, yeah. We cannot change, right? The courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's a serenity prayer, which I live by, right? Mm-hmm. But we all, all that stuff's done, man. So let's not worry about the past. We have absolutely no control over other people nope. or what happens in this world. All we can do is make the best choices we can, but we cannot worry about the future, right? Right. So by being okay with you, hasn't that made you like fully present these days? It is. It is. I mean, I'm st- I, I still... I st- feeling? Yeah, it is. And I'm still, you know, I find myself still kind of goofing up from time to time, but it's getting better. It's gotten better, exponentially better. And I think anybody that's in my life has, has realized that. And same with you. So so as we bring this all back together, we've gone this crazy journey. Now that you're on the other side, obviously you and I, no one else knows this, you and I want to do something musically finally together. And yeah. and, and it'll be. I think it's going to be... Um, uh, cathartic for both of us to get some of these things out because we went through some very similar uh, things. Um, yeah. But aside from what we're going to do, because I would like to wait until we got some things together before we talk about it. But what, what do you want? Someone, you want to get back into music? Do you want to, you want to, I mean, obviously you don't want to go out and tour and stuff like that, but dude, you're a musician. What do you want to do? What's next? Let me just tell you this, man. I, um, I had been like two weeks out of rehab. Um, I got a, t- I got, I had like a 75 text messages when I got out. Uh, <laughs> and one of them was a, yeah, it was crazy. And one of them was a, a, stri- a, a, a you know, a thread, uh, that was the guys that I, I do this, uh, well, you know, Michael Devin from White Snake. Yep. And, uh, myself, uh, great friends of ours. Uh, Jay Monza and uh, Greg Tater, they're Lemister, Massachusetts guys. So um, we would, for five years in a row, we did this New Year's Eve project. We just get together, you know, we do a bunch of homework in December and make a list of songs that we wanted to play. Like we do uh, Love is Like Oxygen. We do, you know, In Excess, Never Tear Us Apart. We got a sax player that comes up. We got. I know, I saw the videos like, from that show, man. It was fucking badass. It sounded so uh, good, dude. Dude, like, dude. So this year, well, I get a, there's a, a, about two weeks into my, like, so I, w- I left September 27th, and, like, somewhere in the beginning of October, like, Mike had sent out a, or somebody had sent something out, like, hey, you guys playing New Year's Eve, and you, oh, the guy that books us. Well, I never responded. Everybody responded, but I never responded because I couldn't, right? Right. Uh, when I finally got out, I was just like, guys, I've been in rehab. We need to talk. I'm doing great, but um, I'm really sorry. You know, that was it. I didn't hear back. Everybody was just like, Glad you're okay, you know, but I hadn't talked to anyone. Uh, about two weeks out, like two weeks after that, I get a call from Mike, and um, he said, uh, "Listen, man, uh, do you want to play New Year's Eve?" So I thought he was calling me to check with me first to see where I was at. He was like, "I obviously know that, like, what's going on, and like, I just want to make sure you're comfortable." Yeah. Well, I did not tell them I had not played in a year. I don't even know what I'm capable of doing at that <laughs> moment. I hadn't, I literally had been a year I had not played. 
So uh, my stamina was obviously off. Like I had lost some weight. I lost some weight through this, so I feel great, like physically. But I just when it comes to doing a three-hour gig, like I don't know if I can handle that. So I just said I'm willing to give this a shot. But like you know, I would rather you check with the other guys first and make sure they're okay with this. And he's like, dude, we've all talked, like, and we're not doing it unless you're doing it. It's oh, going to yeah. be us or nothing. And I was like, oh my god, like, ah. Uh, <laughs> Fuck, man. I get emotional thinking about yeah, it. I know. I'm, I, I was imagining, because I remember you made a post about what it was like to get back on stage after going through all this, not playing for a year, and then being able to, like, come back to it. And I just, I can't imagine what and I played, that I was. And I really believe I played some of the, I, we played our first uh, practice, and I was like, guys, I haven't played in a year, and they just were all like, what? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I felt like I had played some of my best drums in years. Because you had. I was had. also out of the cloud. I was out of the fog. I was so right there with them. And, like, I was very adamant about having this other guy. God, he's one of my... God, we've become such great friends through all this um, since I've been out. And, like, I always loved him before, but his name's Brian Richard. But um, he, he, he does these amazing harmonies, just adds guitar textures we need. And I was like, guys, let's get, who gives a fuck about how awesome the four of us are together? Like, let's make this the best that we can be. So let's get Brian involved. Let's just get uh, Mike Ruddick, the sax player that we that we use, involved. Like, we're doing, like, us and them, and Brian comes over, and he just gets in front of my kit, and we're both tearing up. Like, these are songs that have brought us back to this place. I realized the reason why we're all in such a great place, and the reason why this was so special was because, A, like, I should be dead. Like, I really should, man. And I'm not, I'm not proud to say that at all. But you're not. But, but I'm not. And, right. and and all I want to do is enjoy playing music again. I don't care who's there as long as I can connect with whoever I'm playing with and writing with and, and, and do exactly what I love um, for the reasons that I started doing it, not for any other yeah. reason. And all of us went into it this year. Like, we're going back to why we started doing yep. it. We don't care how much money we make. We don't okay. care who shows up. And, dude, it was sold out at 9.15. We made good money um and we just split it across the board like nobody's any better than anyone else like we were just so grateful and it was one of the most emotional sets of music i've ever what, played i don't care if it's what, my what, music what, what's, what a symbolic way to like close 2019 and go into 2020 and have yeah. all of that kind of like that would that that's a that's like a, a lifetime movie right there <laughs> or a Hallmark uh, channel movie you know really yeah, what it is it was, and we've been communicating, like, every day with each other through, like, we just keep in touch. We're, like, coming up with this idea to do, like, a you know, I've been wanting to do this Yacht Rock thing, like, Yacht for Teacher. <laughs> yacht for <laughs> uh, Teacher. Isn't that great? <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, 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 you know, that was uh, something I've been wanting to do. Dude. So we started learning some songs. Like, after the gig, we were like, let's just get together and jam. It was the first time. I went around the room. I'm like, hey, Mike, when's the last time you got together and just jammed right. with your friends? And he's like, I... Five, well, six, I mean, seven, yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing is like everybody in that band is like very, you know, accomplished musicians. Mike, Mike probably being the, the one that's in the biggest band, I would say, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, is, is Mike, is the one, is Mike the one uh, engaged to, um, oh, not anymore. Oh, not anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah, we'll just skate over there. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. But go ahead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but, he's uh, in, but he is in White Snake, which is badass. Yeah. Yeah, and he's uh, he's doing a lot of other stuff right now, and like 
but he's sober. He's been two years sober. Good for um, him, I man. Think, but I think, you know, the keyboard player is like, he's, he had went to rehab 10 years ago. You know, uh, the guitar player had some issues with pills and coke, and, like, and he's clean. And it was just this, like, oh, my God, like, we've just come full. Because, dude, we had a couple years where, like, dudes were a mess. I was a mess. Mike was a mess. And we were butting heads ego-wise. And But this year, like, dude, it's just a whole nother level. And, like, when you get rid of all that shit, what yeah. you can accomplish musically is yeah. just astronomical. Like, I know. I can't believe when it. I, when I get did all that stuff, and now I've gotten to a point where I'm like, all right, I'm so fucking busy. I got to find a way because I'm so... I've been so into like the business side of things and making money and, you know, playing other people's songs that like the creative side of me is like freaking pounding on my door every day. Like, Hey, I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck. If you want to make a couple hundred bucks tonight, I need to write a song. Let's write some songs, you know? So it's like I'm in 2020, I have to find the creative outlet again, but without, I mean, obviously I still have to keep earning my money, but it's great that like, I don't need the creative side, the super creative side of writing anymore to be like, hey, I need to find a way to make money doing that. I found a way to make money and play music. Now I right. need to just, I need to satiate the creative side. And I think that's, you know, like a project with you, right? When some brand new sin stuff, some stuff. I mean, I just, I just want to create with so many of these people that have been in my life and I want to find a way to kind of do it. And, and the beauty of it is we don't all have to be in the same place anymore. Technology. I is was, a, dude, you just took the words right out of my mouth. Technology is a lot. Right. Before, right. before we, of it is like yeah, we can do it virtually. Like I can, yeah. I've been sending you stuff yep. that I've written. Yep. I think it's, I'm writing some and, of the, and that's what we'll do. I've been and we'll, guitar, not drums, but I've we're going to get it all together. I mean, Derek and I yeah. out there, whoever's listening right now, uh, we talked about doing a thing called burn letter. Which is like, you know, you, you write a letter that you don't ever send, but you, you write it and then you get all of everything that you need out of you and then you burn it and then it's gone. The emotions are gone. You close that chapter and pew, it's gone. So you and I are going to do something. God knows how many songs it could be. It could be two, could be 10. Don't know. Let's just see what you happens. Know, it's crazy. Let's, I just have to like explain like how that came about because it all came about because I was talking to you about my my fourth step, which is like when you write all your resentments and then you turn it around to how you were selfish and shitty and the whole thing and mm -hmm. how you were lying and manipulative and you write it all down in the notebook. And I had three notebooks <laughs> and I burned them all because I just wanted to treat it like a burn letter. Yeah. And, 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 and I had talked about like writing my amends to a certain person in my life through a song and how I didn't even care if it ever got released because I just wanted to be, that get it out well, like once you put something on paper or you put something like even to you know even if you type it into your computer it it becomes it's not it's a thought but once you put it out and there's actually it's either written in paper or in pen or in pencil or in a file it becomes something it is something finally it escapes your brain and it's a very symbolic thing so it's like for you, for it to be out there, then it, it becomes a tangible thing instead of something that can just fucking keep eating away at you, you know? Right, but think about how, how, how crazy the universe lines up. Like, I just explained this to you, and then I'm like, you know, like a burn letter, and you wrote back to me like, um, project, burn yeah, project, yeah, because, yeah, because like, I have, um, I have six journals that I wrote when I was going through all my shit with my ex. Uh, and it was part of all that, and then part of all the way up. I haven't written in any of those journals in a while, but there was like six fucking journals, and I have them sitting in them, and and I have them hidden because I don't 
Not there's anybody in my house, <laughs> but for some like no one's gonna find him. My daughter's never gonna find him, and she can barely read anyway, so it doesn't matter. So, right. um, but I hide him because I just I, those are very sacred things, and I don't know whether I'm gonna burn them or if I'm gonna go and just like part of me wants to go and start you know go back read him to put me in check and be like look at where it used to be and then start extracting shit because there are poems there are writings and shit like that and there so like. I could probably fill albums and albums worth of material that's living in those journals, you know. And Uh, likewise with this situation. So So I think together we'll be able to come up with a few great songs, you know. I mean, not great as in we think they're great, but like great and like it'll be good for No, it'll be good for us. Who cares if fucking anyone else listens? I don't care, so. Right. But dude, I'm I'm really I'm really glad that I had you on here. We're going to I'm going to I'm going to dude, it's yeah, it's sorry always, we ran a little late. No, I don't give a shit, man. Dude, the, with the thing, at first when I started this podcast, I think my first episode was like 20 minutes, and the progressive getting long because I'm getting more comfortable. The stories are getting great, and if a story is fucking flying, then we got to let it flow because this one's very important. And it's not just for the people that are, you know, musicians that are getting into us, but this is something that's very relatable to everybody right now, whether they have gone through um, addiction, whether they're, they're, they're on the other side, they're looking to get help, or they have someone. I don't think there's not a person out there that isn't being affected by addiction on some level at this point. Unfortunately, this is our society now. So this is, uh, this has been the biggest, uh, thing that I've realized through being transparent is that when I tell my story to anyone, whether, whether it be in detail, like now or a highly abridged version, um, what I'm realizing is everyone is affected by this. Someone in their life or the, the people in recovery that I never knew were in recovery or, You know, and and then uh, the, the you know the fellowship that you create around that, right. and and you know it almost becomes displacement. Like you you remove yourself from the the shittiness, right? And you just put yourself in so much you know positive light. Like how can life not go right? right. Regardless, things are gonna go wrong, man. Like right. We're at an age now where well, like monumental things are happening. People are dying. People are sick. Like, but we can't change that. So let's just support each other and like you know, be loving and the compassion. Yeah. Like, I mean, what's wrong with that? It makes life so much easier. Not, not everybody can be as transparent. I mean, luckily we are, um, you and I could be a, a voice to a lot of people who don't have a voice, you know? And like, yeah, not, and every, not everybody has, no, not everybody is comfortable being transparent, nor should everybody have to be transparent. But no, I don't I'm, want people to think they have to be. Right, but I'm I mean, but, it, but yeah. you, but, but by you being transparent with your struggles, by me being transparent with my struggles and my mental my mental health and my journey and my fitness and everything else, like I'm giving, we're being inspirations for so many people. And I've gotten a few, I've gotten some in the past week or two, man, I've gotten some very deep, deep messages from people saying, and people, one person I've never met in my life and another person that I've been very close with for a number of years, send me some stuff that like, like, dude, you don't know the power that you have by by doing what you're doing and you know very simple things and one guy's like man I'm, I'm i've lost weight i'm trying to reconcile my wife you know all this and like and another person just saying like dude you i don't think you realize how hard i struggle and if it wasn't for what you're doing i wouldn't be where i am now like you know this is why you and i are transparent this is why the universe is letting us be transparent or god is letting us be transparent because we're being the voice for people that don't have them and I'll say one last thing, and that is absolutely correct, but uh, the only other thing I would add to that, because that was so beautifully said, and, and it is absolutely true, um, 
the only other thing that I've realized through all this is that, like, I, I wanted to be transparent because, well, A, I couldn't just simply get... You and I are from a world where we know a lot of people. Right. I couldn't simply get to every one of them and tell them my story. So <laughs> I decided, well, I'll just put it out there because people are starting to catch wind, and I don't want them to create a narrative that doesn't exist. Well, right? when, when this comes out, it's going to be a great thing because now you're going to be like... And I've done this for the few things. I'm like, all right, well... Here, instead of me trying to tell the story over and yeah, over and over again, here it is. You know, so yeah. now hopefully you can, you know, you can just use uh, here. You, you know, when you post this the other day, everyone's gonna, you know, on this will come out. I mean, this is Monday. No one knows this is Monday because they're gonna hear this whenever. But this yeah. will come out on Wednesday in a couple of days, and um, and uh, you know, then you'll label the post and be like, hey, everybody. This is what I've gone through. This is what's going on, you know, so it can, can this kind of catch you all up, you know, and, yeah, and I guarantee, awesome. I guarantee you're going to get some amazing, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've gotten some amazing messages up till now. I guarantee you're going to get some even, even more. So, but uh, the last thing I wanted to say was this, like in my transparency, I realized like I can help save people's lives. And then I realized yep. something, um, nobody, nobody could have helped save my life. Like I had to take my I, life back. So if I can help someone take their life back, then I've done if one person. Like I know I've done the right thing. You know, yeah. I, I cannot save anybody's life. Like none of us are that. None of us are God. You know, no way. Like, I'm not God. You're not God. You know, but 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 the love like that we can give to other people can be all they need. Like for, and and to have hope and our faith in other people. You know, the people that have faith in me that have showed that to me. Like, that's what carries me. Like, those things. Like, you know, there's happiness and there's joy, right? Yeah. Like, happiness we can set ourselves up for when we want to be rock stars. And, like, mm. we, 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 we get thrown into this world that, like, it was all we ever wanted, but it didn't make us happy. But all these years, we're searching for that happiness, and it wasn't happiness, right? Yeah. But joy was being in a venue and, and, and walking out and having a beautiful day and then, like, going and seeing something that you would have never expected that day, right? It had nothing to do with the, the music. It had nothing to do with the show. Nope. That's one example. But now, like, I won't set myself up for happiness anymore. I just want to be open to any joy that is around me. And that's so many simple things. Like, it really comes down to the, the simple things, you know? Like, we lose track of those. And, 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 and I lost track of me. And, and, and I'm back to... Dude, the one thing I remember seeing in the group one day, and I broke down so hard because I realized, like, I was so happy before all this. I mean, my, my wife and I were happy. Like, I was so happy. And then, dude, I have not been happy. Right. And I'm just so glad that I'm feeling like myself again, like an even more elevated version because I have to keep myself in check. Like, where before I was just always a good dude. Now it's like, uh, yeah, don't fall back into old habits. Don't, you know, I, that that's where vulnerability comes in handy. And I, I'm just truly grateful. And, and in terms of gratitude, it's one thing to be grateful, but to walk with gratitude all day, every day, just helps you see the world in a different light. And I'm just thankful for that. So thank you so much, dude. You're welcome, man, for sure. I appreciate I you being you. on here, man. I think people are going to dig this one. And uh, I'll be in touch soon. Uh, the album pick of the week is I'm going to pick. And, and, and some people, and you would think I would pick the first seamless record, but I'm a bigger fan of the second one, what we have become. So wow, that's a rarity, dude. Well, no, it is only because there's it. some, like, as I've listened to it more and more, I appreciate that record more because I could see where, if, if, it, if that band had stayed on that trajectory, I could see where it was going. 
And I think that was what it was. was. So I'll text you later on and stuff. So, uh, Derek, thank you so much for being on here, brother. Take care, right? Yeah, I love you, too. I love you, too, bro. Your album pick of the week, we just talked about it. I brought it up and uh, Derek was pretty surprised. This one is Seamless' second record. It's called What Have We Become? A lot of people dig that first record, but this one gets really deep if you want some just just sludgy, dark-ass, some rock and roll with some great vocals. Check it out. What Have We Become by Seamless. Yeah! Yeah! 